This is the Savvy Philanthropist Podcast. My name's Kirk. We are a financial planning podcast for people who want to do philanthropy well. Whether you're a donor trying to do some good in the world, or you're a development officer trying to connect resources with the people who need them, this podcast is all about how to navigate our U.S. legal and financial system in order to make the greatest philanthropic impact you can. This is episode 32, IRAs, part one. A traditional IRA is one of the most tax-efficient vehicles for making charitable gifts that we have, but there are also plenty of rules and details. So that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several episodes, philanthropic giving from IRAs. This week, we're going to lay out the basics about how a traditional IRA works. So speaking of basics, what exactly is a traditional IRA? In the world of finance, IRA stands for an individual retirement account. A lot of people have them. They're a great way to save for retirement. In many cases, you may have already established and or funded an IRA yourself, and if you have any sort of retirement plan at work, like a 401k or a 403b plan, then you'll probably end up with an IRA when you retire, since those sorts of accounts generally get rolled over into IRAs when you separate from your company. There are two general categories of IRAs. There's the traditional IRA, and then there's something called a Roth IRA. To be frank, we're not really going to talk about Roth IRAs. They're not really anything special when it comes to charitable giving. We're going to focus on the traditional IRA because that's where all the philanthropic magic happens. So back to basics, how a traditional IRA works. When you deposit money into an IRA, that amount gets deducted from your income for tax purposes. That means you don't pay tax on the money when you earn it. Then the money is invested over the next however many years, and you don't pay any tax on any of the growth or other income in the account. Then, when you eventually take money out of the IRA to fund your retirement, you pay income tax on those distributions. So the IRS eventually gets its piece of the pie, but you get the major advantage of the money growing tax-free for many years. For what it's worth, your other sort of retirement plan, again like a 401k or a 403b, works mostly the same way. That's why they can be rolled over into an IRA. But anyway, let me give you an example of exactly how this works. Just to make the math simple, imagine that you earn $100,000 in a year. If you don't put any money in a traditional retirement account, like an IRA or a 401k, then you pay income tax on the whole $100,000. Now imagine that you deposit $5,000 of that salary into an IRA. That $5,000 is deducted from your salary for tax purposes, so you only pay income tax in that year on $95,000. Then the $5,000 is invested and it grows tax-free for all those years. Imagine it eventually grows to $9,000. Then in retirement, you take that $9,000 out of the account. At that point, you pay income tax on the whole $9,000. Now imagine doing this every year for the length of a career, adding money every year regularly. And by the way, using a 401k or a 403b actually lets you put even more money into this kind of retirement account. And you can see that an IRA can be a really substantial asset by the time you get to retirement. So that's the basics of how the IRA account works. But as I said, there are plenty of details. The most important one for our purposes is the required minimum distribution. As an initial matter, you can't take a distribution out of your IRA until you're 59 and a half without paying a big tax penalty. And yes, that's kind of a weird number. Blame it on the actuaries. But once you reach that age, you can take any money, any amount out of your IRA you want. You just have to pay tax on it. However, once you reach a certain age, you have to take distributions from your IRA. 
These amounts are called Required Minimum Distributions, or RMDs. The exact age when a person has, has to start taking RMDs has been a bit of a moving target for the last several years. It used to be 70 and a half, again with the actuaries. But then a couple years ago, it was raised to 72. Then just a few months ago, right at the end of 2022, it was raised again. I talked about that in the recent episode on the SECURE Act 2.0. The uh, age for required minimum distribution has now been raised to 73, and for some younger folks, it will be up to 75 years old. But no matter the particulars, once a person reaches the RMD age, that person is required to take a certain amount out of the IRA every year and pay the appropriate income tax. The amount you have to take out is calculated by an IRS formula, and it has precisely zero discretion in it. It's based on a combination of your age and the size of your IRA. The RMD is a hard and fast rule, and there is no wiggle room. If you fail to take your RMD in a particular year, then you end up paying some pretty big penalties. Again, until a few months ago, those penalties were pretty major. Now, the SECURE Act 2.0 has substantially reduced those penalties, but it's still better to take the distributions and avoid the penalties altogether. But what happens to an IRA if the owner hasn't taken all the money out before the owner passes away? Good question. It doesn't pass by the owner's will. This is super important and often forgotten. An IRA passes by something called a beneficiary designation. The owner of the IRA can choose for the IRA to pass to whomever he or she wants by filling out a particular form that is kept in the files of the company that manages the IRA. When the owner passes away, the named beneficiary, or beneficiaries, there can be more than one, fill out some paperwork for the IRA company and the funds become theirs. There are plenty of rules about how the new owner has to manage and distribute those funds, but those details are way beyond our scope here. Suffice it to say that whenever a distribution is made from an IRA to an individual who inherited it, that recipient still has to pay income tax on the distribution. Paying income tax on distributions is the immutable rule of IRAs. So those are the basics of how a traditional IRA works. Remember that we're not talking about Roth IRAs, those are different. We're talking about traditional IRAs. Bear these basics in mind over the next several episodes as we talk about how to use that IRA to make charitable gifts in really tax-savvy ways. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you know other people who might find this podcast worthwhile, please share it on your social media platform of choice. If you're feeling particularly generous, a rating or review for the show on whatever podcast service you use would really help to get the word out about the show. You can find The Savvy Philanthropist on the internet at thesavvyphilanthropist.net. You can find me on LinkedIn at the link below in the show notes. You can follow me on Twitter where I am at RossPlan. Lastly, if you have any ideas, suggestions, or helpful insights, feel free to email me at thesavvyphilanthropist at gmail.com. That's it for episode 32. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll keep digging into, into how to give with an IRA. Until then, remember, do well, then do good, but always be savvy.